if human life was as cheap as we make it today, God would not have bothered to give his son Jesus Christ to die for us on the cross. Good morning. I trust you are well. Now, let me start with this question. When does anger become murder? Jesus says it's when we become angry. And in what ways is our Christian righteousness to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees? Well, this is a question we shall be seeking to answer from our study of the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. We are discussing this Sermon on the basis of God's desire for us as followers to be holy as he is holy, holy and, as right, and righteous as he is righteous. And our righteousness should be of a higher standard than, than, than the one of the Pharisees and, tax, and, the, and, the, and the scribes. So, today we shall be reading from the book of uh, Matthew again, chapter 5, uh, verses 21. Matthew chapter 5, verse, verses 21 to 26. And our Lord says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin, but anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Verse 25, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Amen. That is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray? Almighty and everlasting Father, we stand before your holy presence 
this morning. We are hungry, waiting to be fed. We are thirsty, seeking to be given to drink. So that, Lord, when we eat and drink, we shall not be hungry again. Neither shall we be thirsty again. Help us, Lord, to take the, the matters we are learning from the scriptures very seriously. They are a matter of life and death. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our loving Savior. Amen. So um, the rest of um, chapter 5 of Matthew, um, we have in, in, in the rest of the, of the chapter 5, we have Jesus illustrating some practical ways in which our righteousness can exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And he does so by choosing six commandments beginning with murder, which is what we are doing today. And each of these commandments, as we shall see, Jesus begins by first, you know, stating what was taught traditionally by the, by the scribes, the rabbis, and other teachers, and then he, come, he counters that teaching with his own teaching. And so in verse 21 we read, you have heard, you have, you have heard it said to the people, you have, you have heard it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to the judgment. Verse 22, but I tell you, but I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to the judgment. And that is not all. Anyone who says to his brother, Raka, which is an, Ara an Aramaic term of contempt, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone, these are the words of Christ now, but anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. And so we ask ourselves, what is the difference between the traditional teaching of the teachers of the law and the teaching of Jesus? But first of all, let me say that, uh, let us take note that Jesus is, is, is contrasting his own teaching and the teaching of the traditional teachers, the rabbis, the scribes, and other teachers, not against the law of Moses and his own teaching. He is not fighting the law of Moses, but he's fighting the teaching, the interpretation, the application of that law by the teachers who came before him. So the difference then with Jesus' teaching and the teaching of the scribes and the rabbis is that the other teachers were concerned with the letter of the law while Jesus was concerned with the spirit of the law. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that. The letter of the law is what the law says, what is written in the book. Thou shalt not murder. 
But the spirit of the law is the purpose or the intention of the law. What was the law intended to achieve? Why was this law written? What is the underlying principle? How is it to be understood and applied? In what circumstances? As we saw last Sunday, the rabbis and other teachers of the law and the Pharisees as well would take a commandment such as the one we have this morning, you shall not murder, and then begin to analyze it and to, uh, to, 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 to try to interpret it in various ways. In the end, they ended up giving their own personal interpretations and the law itself got kind of mixed up. It got watered down and it became so difficult to obey that most of the Louis laws were never really uh, applied. So, for example, Exodus 20, 13, when this law was first written, it just simply says, you shall not murder or you shall not kill. Now, that is the letter of this particular law. You shall not kill. But what is the spirit, but what, what is the spirit of this particular prohibition? What is the spirit of the commandment, you shall not kill? The answer is what we see in verse 22. It is not just a matter of killing a body. So see, see, let's see again what Jesus says. He says, but I tell you, and here Jesus is speaking with authority because he is the author of this law in the first place. He is a lawgiver. And now he's going, coming to give us the correct interpretation. The giver of the law is giving the correct interpretation and application of the law. So he says, but I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. I think Jesus is saying two things here. One, that this offense, the offense of taking a human life, it's just too serious, too important to be left in the hands of human judges, local magistrates and judges. Instead, it should be tried before the great judge who holds the key to life and death. So, friends, we, 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 we stand in danger of ending up in hell for being angry with our brother calling them you fool and we think it's just something simple well I didn't strike him I didn't break a leg um, I didn't do anything I just called him a name and, and, and I was justified because he's a fool indeed Jesus says that is enough to send you to hell secondly the offense of murder is not limited to the actual act of killing a body, a human body. It is wider than that, far wider than that. In the eyes of God, 
to be angry with a fellow human being is equal to murder. To insult a fellow human being and to hate or to despise him or ridicule him is equal to murder. Jesus, my dear friends, is teaching about the sanctity and the dignity of human life. Uh, again, let's look at this term, uh, uh, sanctity of human life. What are we talking about? Well, the, the first recorded murder in human history is what is recorded in Genesis chapter 4. When Cain killed his brother Abel, well, Adam and Eve, our first parents, had two sons, Cain and his brother Abel. The population of the world then was just four persons, Adam and Eve, and the two brothers. Cain was a farmer, and, um, you know, in the course of time, he brought some of his produce as an offering to God. But God would not accept it. He rejected Cain's offering. This, but when Abel, his brother, who kept animals, took some of them and um, gave an offering to God, God received it with gladness. And this made Cain very, very angry. And God spoke to Cain, as it is written in Genesis chapter, you know, 6, 1 to 8. He says to him, why are you angry? I'm just paraphrasing. If you had done what is right, and why, is your, how, why are you angry and why is your face downcast? If you had done what is right, would you not have been accepted? But now, sin is crouching at your door. It seeks to dominate you, to rover you. And so God is telling him, watch out. Watch out. Stop being angry. Do what is right. Set your accounts. Reconcile with your brother. And reconcile with me. You know, God is, God is uh, for one reason or the other, is offended with Cain. But Cain is not seeking to be reconciled either to God or to his brother. But he is angry with his brother. It's a warning to all of us, my dear friends. It's a warning to all of us. I mean, we are always getting angry. We are always calling people names. Jesus wants this is equal to murder. Now, after the flood, God made a covenant with Noah in which God declared human life to be sacred because man is created in God's very own image and likeness. And this is the source, this is the genesis of what or the human dignity and the genesis of the sanctity of human life created in God's image. We are not like animals. We are unlike any other creature. We are created in God's image. We are special. For this reason, God made murder punishable by death. Death of the murderer. 
Now, let me read very quickly from Genesis chapter 9, verses 4 and, and 6. Uh, but you must not eat meat that has life blood still in it. And for your life blood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal. And from each man too, I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of a man. And let us underline this. Let us underline this in our Bibles or in our hearts. Whoever sheds the blood of a man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. We, to kill a human being is to destroy the image of God that is in that man. To call him a fool, likewise, to despise him, to ridicule him because of his appearance, because of his skin color, because he's poor, because he's not educated, you know, is again to insult the image of God that is in this man. And Caesar says, these things amount to murder. On this basis, the spirit or the intention of the law of the commandment, you shall not murder therefore, is that there should be no murder at all. Thou shalt not spill human blood. That is the way Jesus is looking at it. Furthermore, one shall not even be angry with his brother. Brother here uh, is not just a member of your family, but any human being, brother, sister, any human being. Don't be angry with a fellow man. And that without cause. Without cause. This is what God said to Cain. I mean, we already said that. I mean, just, just, let's just say it again. Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? And did you do what is right? Will you not be accepted? But if you do, you do not do what is right. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Again, it's Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. That is how to treat fellow human beings. Stop being angry. Do what is right. Settle, uh, be reconciled with God and with the person with whom you are angry. And we shall see this um, coming from Jesus' own mouth in a moment. But if Cain had not been angry with his brother, he would not have killed him. But he was too angry even to listen to God himself. And so, first of all, he was jealous. Then he became angry with, with, with Abel. And then that anger matured into murder. And, <clears throat> and, um, and, and, and in this matter, the New Testament takes up this matter uh, as it's written in, in, um, in um, Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 26 and 27, that I will read very quickly once again. Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. 
he who well, um, you know see that that's it in your anger do not sin do not let sun go down while you are still angry and do not give uh, do, do not give the devil a foothold right so um there, there, there is there is anger which may be justified especially righteous anger when you are concerned about how people are being victimized mistreated that is righteous anger but when it is personal you know bitterness between a fellow man that's something else then it, then then uh, first john uh, the apostle takes it up there as well first john chapter 4 verses 20 and 20 and 21 this is what he says uh, he says um, if anyone says i love god yet hates his brother he is a liar for anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen and he has given us this command whoever loves God must also love his brother amen that 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 is that that that, that is the spirit of the law love your brother don't despise him don't be angry with him do not look down upon it and so jesus then goes on he doesn't finish there he therefore counsels us and exhorts us to be reconciled to be reconciled and um verses 23 and 24 um jesus is basically saying that uh, we should not come we should never venture to come before the Lord to pray, to worship, to make an offering, or to render service. We should not come before the Holy God to do these things if we have offended our brother. And we know that our brother has a grudge against us. So if when we are offering, making an offering at the altar to God. And then we remember that a brother, a sister, someone out there has a grudge against us. We should leave our gift there at the altar. Let us abandon whatever we are doing. Let's go out and be reconciled with a person who is angry with us. Then let us come back and make our offering. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29, we are admonished to worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. To come before God, my dear friends, to come before a holy God with sin in our hearts is to ask for trouble. Now, verse 25, Jesus continues to teach about reconciliation. He says, pay your debts. Settle your accounts with this person who is taking you to court over a debt you have not paid. Don't wait until he comes to court. 
to charge you because then the judge may hand you over to the police officer and the police officer will take you to jail and there you will stay until you pay every penny. This reminds me of the story of David and Nabal and uh, Abigail in 1 Samuel chapter 25. David was absolutely offended by Nabal because David had been protecting Nabal's animals and his shepherds while they were grazing in the desert where David was hiding at that time from Saul. But when David needed some food and he sent his men to go and, and get food from Nabal, David insulted them and said he was, he was going to give them nothing. And David prepared an army of 200 men to go and seize uh, and, and, and deal with Nabal. But his wife Abigail, Ab, uh, Nabal's wife Abigail heard about it and she took food and stuff and uh, put them on donkeys and ran out to meet David. And when David received the food from Abigail, I mean, there was peace. He took the food and went back. And Nabal's life was spared. Unfortunately, when Nabal got to hear about it the following day, he suffered a heart attack and died. And it is not surprising that his wife thought of him as a fool. So, my brothers and my sisters, that is about murder. That is about anger as murder. That is our topic, by the way. Anger and murder. Remember, we asked at the beginning, when does anger become murder? It is when things like what we have seen here happen. But I cannot stop here. I cannot stop without talking about a, a very controversial subject that is very current uh, in this, our generation, the whole matter of abortion. Is abortion murder or is it not? Is it pleasing to God or is it not? Are Christians to allow abortion or to do abortion themselves or not? Now, according to WHO, between the year 2015, the years 2015 and 2019, there were on average 73.3 million induced abortions worldwide each year. Uh, by my own calculation, this amounts to 366 million and 500,000 induced abortions in those five years. Does God have anything to say about this? I wonder. You tell me, my dear friends, does God have anything to say about this? Well, when you look at, when you look at a specific, if you are looking for a specific provision in, in the Bible or in the law of God, that says, thou shalt not commit abortion, you will not find it. But when you look at the scripture from the point of view of the spirit of the law, God's moral law, definitely you'll see that God is pro-life, not pro-choice, as we call those people who support abortion are called pro-choice, call themselves pro-choice, 
the pro-life are those who would rather protect life at any cost. Remember, my dear friends, we are talking about Christian righteousness that should be higher, that should be of a higher standard than that of the Pharisees and the scribes. God's law is moral law. And we are moral beings. That means we have the capacity. And God expects us to know the right and wrong, evil and good. And in such a case, then, what is our choice? It is to do what is good. God is good. He gives life. He doesn't destroy it. He is pro-life. We should be pro-life. Those who support abortion are called pro-choice. Let me say, on the basis of the Bible, their choice is wrong. And the action of unlawful termination of the life of a fetus is murder. If anger, if insulting a fellow man is equal to murder in the eyes of Jesus. What about abortion? What about killing an innocent, helpless life of an unborn baby? Genesis chapter 9 verse 4. God says, you must not eat meat that has life blood still in it. This is right at the beginning. This is God speaking to Noah and his, and his sons. Now this law was later made part of the law of Israel. For we read in Leviticus chapter 17 verse 14, you must not eat the blood of any creature because the life of every creature is in its blood. So I ask myself, why does the blood of Jesus have the power to save sinners? Why do we cover each other with the blood of Jesus? Is it not because Jesus' life is in his blood? Yes, I believe that is I believe that is so. It was shed for us to cover over our sins. And thereby we escape death. So in the same manner then, the life of an unborn baby is in his blood. And so when abortion causes that little life in there to bleed to death, my dear friends, it's murder, nothing else. But you see, pro-abortion campaigners come back and say, look, a fetus is not a person, it's not a human being yet. And I say, really? Let's just see what the scripture says about these things. I say, what about Luke chapter 1 verse 44, where the unborn baby, John the Baptist, leaped with joy in his mother's stomach when Mary said a greeting to, 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 to Elizabeth, John's mother. Is that a thing or is it a person that is leaping with joy? You tell me. What about Psalm 139, verse 
3, 15 and 16, which says, for you created my inmost being. You made me, you knit me together in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven in the depth of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All that is ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What about that, my dear friends, fellow Christians? What about Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5? Before I was born, sorry, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That's God speaking. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. In the same manner, Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 to 6, um, you know, we, we, I mean, we, we, God says that he chose us in Christ to belong to him and to be holy, to, to be holy and to be adopted as, his, as God's children even before the creation of the world. How about that? So, my dear friends, human life does not begin when we are born or even when we are conceived. God knew us before the creation of the world. And he, has, he had our lives planned ahead of time. I, I keep on repeating Ephesians 2.10 which says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that God prepared for us in advance to do. So even when we come into in this world, we have already God lined up for us. My dear friends, how about that? And finally, and, and this is closer to our subject really, finally Exodus chapter 21. Verses 22 and 24. If two men are fighting and they accidentally strike a pregnant woman and she has a miscarriage but suffers no harm, the offender is to be fined as much as a husband will determine and the court will approve. But if there is a serious injury, according to NIV, if there is a serious injury and this um, is interpreted to mean the mother either the mother or the unborn baby if there's a serious injury and for instance there is a death then the punishment against the offender will be a life for life an eye for an eye tooth for tooth hand for tooth hand for hand food for food Burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. That means, my dear friends, it's clear, isn't it? If either the mother or the fetus dies from the injury, that is murder. And the murder is also to be punished by death. That's how seriously God takes human life. For the, avoid, for the avoidance of doubt, the early church taught against abortion. 
they stood against abortion for centuries. It is only this generation that imagines that they can get away with murder and they can even dare to approach God. They can, I mean, with the bloody hands, the blood of innocent babies whose life has been cruelly terminated for the convenience of the living, for the convenience of the mother or the father or the family or whatever. How do we apply this teaching then, my dear friends? Let me say this. If human life was as cheap as we make it today, God would not have bothered to give his son Jesus Christ to die for us on the cross. Consider this. Satan was a very a chief angel in heaven, very high ranking. But he and some of his followers rebelled against God in heaven and were thrown out of heaven. Now check this. God, when Adam and Eve sinned, God sent his son, Jesus, to die for all the sinners of the world so that they could be reconciled with God. But when Satan and his angels fell from grace, God did not send them a savior. God has, a, 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 I mean, God places a higher premium on the life of the human beings he created in his image than the life of an angel. That's how critical this question is. The angels are still held in the abyss, in chains, waiting for the day of judgment. The word of God tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to 27, I, we, 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 we are repeating this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So my dear friends, with the help of the Holy Spirit, let me suggest that we, in silence, in silence, let us, in, let, let us examine our hearts in the mirror of the word of, written word of God, <clears throat> the, the spirit of the law, which we, 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 the, the, the word that we have just read. And let us ask ourselves, am I a murderer according to what we have just read? Jesus says, we are guilty of murder just by being angry with our brother or being insolent or disrespectful to them. Have we sought reconciliation before going to offer our gifts to God or to worship or to sing or to render service? Have you said cruel words to a fellow human being? Have you ridiculed their mental capacity or shown hatred or contempt to them? Jesus says that amounts to murder. 
Have you shared, my dear friends, innocent blood? The innocent blood of an unborn baby? Well, then, you are a murderer in the, in the words of Jesus. So, unless we are approaching God to ask for his forgiveness, we should not bother to approach him because he will not listen. God will not hear us. He will not accept our offerings. He rejected Cain's offerings. He rejected the offerings of, of the Israelites. Read the book of Isaiah and, and, and all the other prophets. God said, no, I hate those offerings and your music. They stink. Get away from me. Jesus says, my dear friends, go and be reconciled first with your brother. Go and settle accounts with your creditor. Pay your debts before you are taken to court. Reconcile. Settle matters. And then come before God with a clean heart. God will receive you and you forgive every sin that you have confessed to him. Once again, human beings are the only creatures that were created in God's image and likeness. God places an extremely high premium on human dignity and on human life. Let us not trifle with human being, even the life of an unborn baby. May God bless you as we choose to obey the spirit of the law of God. Amen. Father, we have sinned and we fall short of your glory. And the only word, Lord, we can say to you now that you hear is, we repent, forgive me, Lord. So I pray, Father, that every heart that has listened to these words will feel obliged to seek forgiveness for any sins that is still unconfessed. For it is your promise in your written word that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just, and you will not only forgive all our sins, but cleanse us from every unrighteousness. Lord, I thank you for your grace, for your love, for your mercy. Father, I pray that by your spirit, you may reveal to us whatever sins we have committed and have not confessed, that we may do go and confess. Help us, especially to be reconciled with our own brothers, with our own family, with our mothers-in-law and fathers-in-law, with our brothers and sisters, both in the family, in the church, and in the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.